our great God. Amen? Amen. Tonight's scripture lesson comes to us from Psalm 105. We are going to read verses 1 through 8, and I'm going to invite you to join me as we read those words in unison as they appear on the screen. Let us read together these verses 1 through 8. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of all His wonderful acts. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Remember the wonders He has done, His miracles, and the judgments He pronounced. O descendants of Abraham, His servant, O sons of Jacob, His chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers His covenant forever, the word He commanded for a thousand generations. And here ends the reading of God's word. I love how it starts. Give thanks to the Lord. And that's what we're here to do tonight. Let's pray. Father, come and just anoint this message. Anoint myself as the messenger and anoint us all as we listen and hear and we focus on what it is that you want to say to us tonight. And so, Lord, come and bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been guilty of taking things for granted? You know what that means, taking things for granted? That means that you assume that things are always going to be there, that you're always going to have what you need when you need it. And the fact is we're all guilty of doing this kind of thing. Uh, we all uh, can take for granted the fact that we have food to eat, right? And uh, we can take for granted the fact that we have a warm bed to sleep on at night. You don't have to sleep out in the cold. You assume you're going to be sleeping in the house tonight. You have a house to live in. We take our health for granted. Sometimes we can take leaders or teachers for granted, even pastors. Sometimes we can take our friends for granted. We assume that they will always be there. And other times we can take our family or mom and dad for granted and all of the things that they do for us. Why, it might be possible even for us to take our cell phones for granted. How many of you have a cell phone? If you have a cell phone, lift it up. Do you have it with you? Okay. Now imagine that. Imagine, for a moment, living without your cell phone. Could you do it? Hard to believe that people on planet Earth survived without cell phones. That there was a time not all that long ago that a lot of us who are older can remember where cell phones were the exception and not the norm. And I wonder if you could go without your cell phone. How many of you think you could go without your cell phone for one day? How many think you could do that? All right. How many think you could go for your, without your cell phone for two days? How many, and now we're stretching it, how many think for a whole week? Could you go without your phone for a whole week? Are you sure? I know some of you. I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, okay. That's good. Well, cell phones can be nice, but the problem with cell phones is that people can spend so much time, too much time on them, always looking at their phones that they miss out on what's going on right around them. 
Okay. Now, I'm not against cell phones. Cell phones can be really useful and helpful as long as they're put away when you should be listening, like right now. Okay. But people can become so preoccupied with the digital world on their phones that they can't even enjoy the real world around them. Have you ever seen people walking like this? Oh, you ever seen people like kind of bumping into things because they're so focused downward, their heads are down and they're walking on their, uh, they're looking on their phones and they're probably walking into things. And I thought it might be kind of fun to just take a look at, uh, at a few of those incidents. So let's roll the video, Amanda. A little more volume, please. Ah, that last one wasn't so funny, but that's what can happen, right? Cell phones, when we've got our heads on, we're looking on the phones, that can be dangerous. Here's my point. It's not to rail on cell phones. I'm not doing that tonight. But sometimes we can be so preoccupied with our own lives, our own agenda, our own stuff, that our heads are down. And we forget to look upward at what's going on right around us in this world. And what God is doing, what God is doing all around us. Every one of us, young and old, we can have our heads buried down in our own lives and the busyness of our lives that we fail to notice some of the most basic and most fundamental things that God has given us. Our vision becomes limited and so do our hearts. And tonight I want to invite you to lift up your heads to get off your phones uh, and metaphorically to get off the busyness and whatever else is distracting you so that you can thoroughly enjoy and see the world around you, that you're not going to be like one of those people. Thankfully, everybody in that video was okay, including the gal at the end. My prayer is that we would uh, lift up our heads tonight to notice God's goodness in our lives. And there are three things that I want to share with you that we often take for granted, but they're right around us that God has given us. Number one, God's creation. Say it with me. God's creation. Hear these scriptures regarding the origin of our planet Earth. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord, says the psalmist, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Have you ever stopped to notice the stunning beauty of creation? A sunset, red clouds when the sun rises. Did you see that the other day? a full moon, or the stars in the night sky, the beauty of trees and forests, the rivers, lakes, the rich farmlands of the Iowa countryside. 
Maybe you've traveled to the ocean, the Rocky Mountains, the Grand Canyon of Arizona, or seen the Black Hills of South Dakota. Have you ever been to a zoo? How many people have been to a zoo? I love zoos. They are so much fun. I love and I delight in looking at all of God's creation, His handiwork in creating all of these funny-looking animals with all of their stripes and dots and colors and markings. But not just the beauty of this planet, but consider this planet itself. Did you know how incredibly unique planet Earth is? How God has uniquely positioned this planet in the universe? Consider this. Planet Earth is just the right size, chemical composition, and distance from the sun to enable life to thrive. Planet Earth is just the right distance from the right size sun. Planet Earth has just the right amount of surface water. Planet Earth has just the right tilt for not too severe seasons. Planet Earth has just the right amount of land mass to sustain life. Planet Earth has just the right atmospheric pressure for life to thrive. Planet Earth is placed at just the right place within our galaxy. Astronaut Sandra Magnus once said, Our planet is our spaceship. It looks very fragile from here, from outer space, as she was looking upon it through the window in a spaceship. And it's very easy to take it for granted when we're living on it, when it seems so big and massive, but it's not. It's very small and very fragile, she said. Cosmonaut Sigmund Jan of Germany said, Before I flew, I was already aware of how small and vulnerable our planet is, but only when I saw it from outer space in all its effable beauty and fragility did I realize that humankind's most urgent task is to cherish and preserve it, this planet. It's no wonder the psalmist says, Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord. All of creation declares the glory of God. Amen? May we never take planet earth for granted, God's creation. May we give thanks and praise to God for this beautiful planet, for all of creation, even as we're zooming and spinning through space as God sustains our lives. God's creation is one thing we need to get our eyes up and just see, just see the beauty of it. Number two, our nation. Say it with me, our nation. We all know that there's a lot wrong with our nation. All you have to do is watch the news or look around. There's crime on our streets, kidnapping right here, theft, murder, America is bitterly divided over politics and science and masks and vaccines and what's being taught in schools. The U.S. aborts over 3,000 unborn babies a day. Countless more dying from disease and even COVID more recently. Our politics is corrupt. The news media is often slanted. People's values are askew and godlessness is running rampant in this nation. Yes, it's easy to see what is wrong with the United States. We are a nation with many problems and troubles. No question about it. We have a long way to go toward a more perfect union. Uncle Sam is sick and needs prayer. But what I want to submit to you this evening is that there is also a lot right 
with the United States of America. I will never forget attending an evening worship service at my home church, Calvary Reformed Church in Holland, Michigan, on a Sunday in February of 1992. It was a Sunday just prior to me leaving for two years' stint as a missionary to teach English in Cambodia, way on the other side of the world. And while singing a hymn, and it might have been a patriotic hymn, I don't remember, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was leaving a nation of freedoms and security to go and work and live in a land that was heavily influenced by communism. I was leaving a land of abundance to go live and work in a land where resources were going to be scarce. I was leaving a place where the church was free to worship as it wants to go to a land where churches were being monitored and Christians were being watched and sometimes followed. And tears streamed down my cheeks as as the reality of being and becoming a missionary in a closed country hit me. And it hit me hard. And I remember feeling a fond admiration for this wonderful nation that we are a part of. America may have many problems, but at least we are free. We live in a democracy, not a dictatorship. We have the freedom to worship in this country as we please. There is still a healthy distinction between church and state. We are still considered one of the richest nations on earth, if not the richest. God has blessed us immeasurably in this land. There are a lot of good people in America. And I love this land. And I hope that you do too. Pastor Andy Stanley told a story of a man who seemed cheerier than most. He stopped and asked the man why he was feeling so good in a world and in a nation with so much bad news. Why all you have to do is look at the headlines or watch the evening news. And he wondered why this man, he asked him, why are you so so happy in the midst of all of this chaos and confusion? And the man replied in so many words, because it isn't all bad. You see, rather than pay attention to the headlines that I read in the paper, I make my own headlines, not the ones that you see. For instance, this morning I chose the headline, husband makes breakfast for sick wife. Or grandfather surprises grandson while watching his soccer game. Or local church feeds the hungry at local Salvation Army. He said, these are my headlines. These are the headlines that I'm focused on. It's not that we uh, we should ignore uh, what's going on in the rest of the world or pass by the plight and suffering of others. But focusing on the eternal truths of our faith as well as the small wins and instances of good and faithful deeds around us is the key to maintaining our perspective and having peace and joy 
and gratitude in our hearts. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote in The Lord of the Rings, I have found that it is the small everyday deeds of ordinary folks that keep the darkness at bay. Small acts of kindness and love. I praise God that America is still full of people like you who do these acts of kindness and love. Yes, there may be much wrong with this land, and we need to be praying, but may we always give thanks for God's creation and our nation as we get our heads up and we see what is right in front of us. The third thing that I want to challenge you to think about, one that we often take for granted, is your salvation. Say it with me, your salvation. Now let's make it personal and say my salvation, my salvation. Do you remember the story of Nicodemus from John chapter 3? Nicodemus, a Pharisee, schooled in the law, sneaks away at night to meet Jesus. Jesus tells him, Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Born again. That's a phrase that Baptists love to use. We have some of you here. Are you born again? In John 3, 5, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Jesus is speaking of our new life through Christ through faith in Jesus. Let me ask you this. Did you choose to be born? No. You were just born. It happened. Well, there were some things that led up to that. I'm sure of that. But you were born and you didn't have any say in it. I want to suggest to you that when we're born again, it is really God who is working in our lives. Not so much even anything that you and I have done it's not as if we had somehow deserved it or earned it or entitled to it or even chose it. Jesus said, you did not choose me, I chose you. Our salvation, our second birth are no big deal. Uh, and so often it, it, it seems like it's no big deal anymore. It's like you buy a new car and after a little while it's not, a, you know, it's not even fun anymore. It's like a a new TV or a new cell phone, and after a while, it kind of wears off on you. Or a new toy, and you suddenly grow bored with it. Why, we can even recite the gospel message in our sleep. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe in Him. I'll live forever and go to heaven. And we can recite this stuff in our sleep. We know this stuff intellectually. And sadly, we become so ho-hum about the gospel, especially those of us who've been believers for a while or grew up in a Christian environment. For us, too often, it's nothing special, sadly. Does anybody here remember the 33 Chilean miners that were trapped more than 2,000 feet underground for two full months back some, several years ago? It was all over the news for a time. And people feared that they were all dead, that there was no hope. Some thought perhaps they are or were alive, but there was no hope of getting them out in time. They were doomed. 
The miners spent a record 69 days in the hot, humid bowels of the collapsed mine, and for the first 17 days, they were all believed to be dead, some 2,000 feet below the surface. But a tremendous rescue effort was launched, and 69 days later, from the depths of the earth, all 33 miners were raised from the mine alive and reunited with their families. One miner said, this is a miracle from God. Do you know the depths from which you were rescued? Do you understand the rescue effort that was launched to save you from the grips of death, from the dungeon of hell? Ephesians 2 puts it this way. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. We were by nature objects of wrath, but because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. A gift from God. Say it with me. A gift from God. Yes, you have been given this gift of grace, of salvation, and new life. May we never take it for granted. Don't become ho-hum about your faith. Don't assume the grace of God. Don't forget the depths from which you have been saved. Instead, give thanks for it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Never take your salvation in Jesus Christ for granted. Give thanks to God for it every day. So what are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? Of course, there's all the regular stuff, and we'll name those in a few moments. There are things like food and shelter and clothing and all of the other amenities of life. But I want to invite you tonight to lift up your heads. And take a look around. And notice what is right in front of you. God's creation. Our nation. Your salvation. Three terrific reasons to praise God and thank Him this Thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for being a part of this time and a part of this message that you've given me to share. Lord, I just thank you for the chance that we have to celebrate Thanksgiving. And we celebrate, Lord, all of these things, so many, many things. But tonight, we, we think especially of your creation, of this great nation, and of our salvation. May we well up with praise and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen.